yeah, having my head shoved into the uh, steps of the Ulster Bank in Ranelagh, cold butt of a gun put into the back of your skull. That's a moment where you go, okay, yeah, I think this one's up. How does a high-flying academic become one of Ireland's most prolific bank robbers? What I would see is the most important part of this still lies open. I'm not here to hurt you. A brand new series from the award-winning team behind the Indo Daily. That November day, that's where it all, all begins. Out now, wherever you get your podcasts. On the latest episode of Real Health with me, Carl Henry, I'm delighted to be joined by Professor Anne-Marie O'Dwyer chatting all things the psychiatry of cancer. I want to say that it's very common to be very distressed, to have a very prominent psychological response to cancer, that they are not alone, that lots of other people feel in that way and that it's important for them to have information. Information is power, but it has to be the right information. As ever, we're available on all podcast platforms. Welcome to the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 Euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school. More chances, more prizes, more reason to enter. Hello and welcome to the Left Wing Daily Independent.ie's Rugby World Cup Podcast. I'm Jonathan Bradley and I'm joined again by Rory O'Connor and Kean Tracy. Lads, Ireland are off today, media-wise. New Zealand are off today, media-wise. But there is no break for the podcast. How are we feeling? Great. Raring to go. How are you getting your... Sitting in that big hot seat there? It's it's a big day. Big, big, big day we've, for me. We've waited to roll you out for the quarterfinals yeah, to put just, you in the seat. It's squad management. We're keeping everything yeah, fresh. We've, we've, we've gone outside today. We're at Shinjuku uh, Station. We're hoping no Japanese people jump on us or more likely Irish <laughs> fans jump on us or anything going by. But um, all good. Yeah, so we're building into a huge weekend of rugby. We've got four of probably the most open quarterfinals, certainly in recent memory. Huge weekend ahead. I suppose we'll start with the hosts, Japan against South Africa. It's going to be a fascinating contrast in styles. South Africa are obviously going to try and impose what they're looking to do in terms of their forward play. We've seen Ireland try and do the same to no degree of success whatsoever. How do we think South Africa are going to do it? So the good news is we're all going to be there anyway. We had a bit of a nervy wait there when we got our accreditation for for the Ireland game, and we applied for the for the game on Sunday as well. And what we were saying, like there was a half an hour between the difference, so you were kind of wondering and hoping. But uh, thankfully, we'll be there, so we'll have some some good stuff on Monday, hopefully for the podcast. Which you know, don't know how many we really could have left after that. But yeah, you're right. A massive contrast in styles. Um, I don't see Japan doing anything different I think they'll just rip into it as they have been doing like Scotland I think were a bit naive especially around the breakdown Jamie Ritchie had a really good game and I just I can just see the box thinking that we could we can dominate them physically but it's getting near them to, to do it is the thing is the problem because we spoke about this um, after the Scotland game they just moved the ball so quickly from either side of the rock but I guess it's similar to the Ireland-New Zealand game in that the box have had such a long run into this and, you know, I was a bit disappointed with them in the in the All Blacks game. I watched it back the other day and they were, while they started really well, they were poor and I know Andy Farrell disagreed with me in the press conference the other day but they weren't able to maintain that intensity with the, that they started the game. So I think Japan will take a lot of confidence from that because while they started real well, they faded. So... I think that's what they're going to be looking at to try and replicate it. But I guess the thing for Japan is 
kind of get up and go again and and in fairness they have been their fitness has been incredible because i wondered for the scotland game would they be able to go again and they have so they're in a really good place and i mean we've we've all read at this stage about the lengths that japan went to to up their fitness before this tournament the talk of the 50 minute ball and play mark and as kian says there was huge question marks i think over whether they could maintain that week to week whether they could go again week to week we've talked at length about their travel distances, their amount of dying days in between games all benefiting them. But that, for me, has been one of the most impressive things in the tournament. The way they really they haven't let that standard slip since they had that shaky first outing in, against Russia. And, and what's all, all the more remarkable is that you know there was a lot, look, number of journalists complaining on Twitter yesterday. They sent out a lot of players who had never hadn't played in the tournament and couldn't speak English. The remarkable part wasn't that they couldn't speak English. It was the fact that they've only used so many players in the tournament that. You know, Ireland have used all 31. All, nearly everyone has tried to use their squad to 32 degree. players. 32, yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, so that they, you know, they've been doing this with a with a smaller group of players than it, than everyone else. And, and that probably feeds into the cohesiveness. And it helps that they had pretty much a seven-day turnaround. In fact, they had a seven or eight-day turnaround for all of their games. Um, nine, nine days into Ireland, I think, from Friday to Sunday, wasn't it? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, that's, that's a real benefit that they've had. But whether it's enough against a team that Conor O'Shea described as the most physical team he's ever seen um, after his team lost them having caused them a lot of trouble before they had one man sent off and should have had two um, that's the that's the fascinating clash of styles I didn't see the game between Japan and South Africa before he came over um, I don't think it was broadcast back home but um, by all accounts talking to the Ireland coaches about it Japan were well in that game. The scoreline is distorted because South Africa pulled away in the last 20 minutes. I think that was one of the reasons people were so... That scoreline was one of the reasons people were quite complacent about Ireland because South Africa were able to put them away to such a degree. But the confidence that, uh, that Japan have gained through this tournament, the buzz that they're on will carry them. I'm just not sure how far it will carry them in this game. Um, there's a different pressure on as well. It's their first knockout game of all time um, against a really established, confident, well-coached, organized team it's it's going to be really really interesting i think their <clears throat> their defensive style will be quite interesting obviously jack neen arbor is south africa's defense coach and everyone will remember him from his time at munster and it's obviously the same defensive system that he deployed when he was with munster the, the wingers defend very high up and i when i was watching the game back um it was so obvious i mean colby like they're just so far up and i think um fukuoka and matashima are going to be looking at that and thinking we can get at them out wide because they tend to fold in very narrow um, and they leave the gaps out wide and they're two of the two of the best wingers we've seen in in the tournament. I mean, even Fukuoka is 27 and he's retiring from rugby apparently. I'd after say some some Toulon or someone are going to going to maybe put it, off his it, medical it, career it, for a few years. Yeah, yeah. He's, he's retiring to to concentrate in his medical studies. But I guess he should only look at Felipe Cantapomi to see you know what, what can be achieved. But it's amazing to think that this guy is 27 and might retire. And like Matashima has been a star. Like I I would put my hands up. I didn't know much about this guy before the World Cup. I don't think most people did. But he's just been incredible it, to watch. It'll be fascinating to see if. Japan's quick passing game can beat the South African rush because New Zealand decided after being beaten or being held by them in Wellington um, like you could see in that game in Wellington that the space was on the edge and I almost felt like New Zealand were trying to lure South Africa in by not kicking and they did it in that game they like to beat South Africa you need to cross kick I think that was what Ireland's game plan would have been based around because this was the game that everyone expected yeah. to happen but I don't think Japan had the same uh, threat when it comes to Yutomura's kicking game I don't think 
they'll get the ball to the edge that way. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe Jamie Joseph and Tony Brown have been working on this because they've known it's South Africa. But the way to beat South Africa is because they set they defend so high and so narrow is to go around them with your boot. Like Ross Byrne would be great against South Africa because he's such a good cross kicker. Um, you know, Bowden Barrett is perfect for this opposition. Richie Mwanga has it in his locker as well. I'm not sure Japan have those weapons. So if they're trying to use their quick ball, pull it, pull out the back with those quick hands, that unbelievable attacking shape, and they're trying to beat that rush, that's going to be fascinating to watch. Yeah, I think Yutamara needs to have a huge game. I think he's obviously played very well throughout the tournament, but there's been question marks not even just over his cross-kicking, but his kicking for goal as well hasn't really been up to the standard of the other guys that we've seen going into this quarter-final. But I think, obviously, there's the high-ball question mark as well, and we saw that in the last game between these two sides. That was one real way that South Africa got in behind Japan just by putting pressure on them through the high bombs. But I think if you're looking at all the coaches in this last weekend... Razi Erasmus, I think, has the most decisions to make. Like, up front is going to be so important. That's going to be where South Africa are going to look to impose themselves on this game. But, like, looking through the South African media, there's some fascinating selection calls. There's even been chat that Etzebeth might not play. Obviously, there's a big decision to be made at Loosehead with, uh, you know, the Beast has been really impressive, but it's been off the bench really behind Kitschoff. I mean, Kim, what way do you see this going in the tight five? That, you're right. That's where they're. That's where going. They're going to target them. But I mean, I think a lot of teams would have said that about Japan, and they've stood up to it. I mean, their front five have been really impressive. And you look at like the guy like Luke Thompson, Luke Thompson, who was retired. Was he 38 now? Um, still going strong. Um, their hooker is what? Sh- 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 Shota Hori. Yeah, he's, he's probably been the hooker he, of the tournament he's, he's, so far. And fantastic hair. Yeah. And <laughs> there's been a lot of good hair at this World Cup. Jack Goodhue, the Uruguayan. Uruguayan hooker um, but that's a bit of a rabbit hole um, <laughs> especially yeah, with our own that's, that's hooker tomorrow, that's tomorrow's podcast is yeah, great yeah. here at the World Cup we're, we're getting as the, as the daily the daily toll has been taken we're coming up with new, to, new and interesting topics we're going to go here tomorrow uh, who knows where we go after that but they are going to try and devour them um, up front and I think if they can withstand the early onslaught like I said earlier they'll get a, they'll have a massive chance because I think South Africa will be rattled as well and the, the, the viewing figures of the Scotland game was like 60 million people Half the country. like that is incredible and then we spoke even before it you know will this World Cup capture the nation's imagination this place is going to be buzzing come Sunday like the, the, the nation are so behind them and I think even people who don't know rugby now are going to be tuned into it and even the fact that it's South Africa and the, the, the Brighton miracle and it brings back you know so many memories which was the real starting point for this Japanese team and it feels like it's come full circle now and they're not looking for a miracle now like they're in they're 100% in bonus territory by getting to a World Cup quarter final but they they believe that they can beat the, the Springboks um, like I said I think the Springboks are beatable but Japan have put so much into the pool stages that that would be my concern but like Rod said, their fitness has been absolutely incredible and maybe they do have one more performance in them to go again. And that's obviously the other game in Tokyo, but uh, down in Oida, there's the other two quarterfinals. I think if you could be on any beat this week in terms of just your copyright in itself, Australia v England, Eddie Jones against Michael Chaka, we've already seen the uh, the verbal grenade starting from uh, from Michael Chaka yesterday. Um, Australia, I think, probably probably the underdogs but they've came out and said that they're relishing that they're probably a team that it's very hard to get a handle of even throughout this tournament but certainly beforehand you know you think of the back-to-backs against the all blacks and that's the sort of peaks and troughs that they're capable of 
as much as we talk about you know the likes of France, how much is this game just which Australia pitches up? It's a little bit of both, I think, because I don't think England really have shown anything at this tournament. With you know they haven't really got out of second gear because they haven't been asked to do so. And the, one of the big questions hanging over these three, these four quarterfinals is how will the three teams that didn't play last weekend fare? How, you know, are they undercooked or are they fresh? It's a really interesting dynamic. It's it's kind of whatever you make of it. But if they all turn up and don't play well, we'll all you know we'll all be looking back at the fact that their games were cancelled as as a major factor in that. Australia. I was at the Wales Australia game here. Um, a couple of weeks ago and they're a very good team but they lack direction I think they lack they don't like Cheka hasn't found a 10 to replace Bernard Foley really and they've gone it looks like they're going with Matt Tamua um, maybe it'll be Lely Fano I'm not you know they don't even know you know, the fact they don't know their, ten, their best 10 at this stage their goal kicking hasn't been great word on the street is Pocock didn't train with the first team yesterday so like he'd be a massive loss um, so you'd have to back England based on the consistency of selection, the combinations, the strength of their pack, the fact that they're just a winning machine. You know, they've got that Saracens edge to them as well. Um, but there are doubts about Farrell's form. You know, he's had a couple of very high hits at this tournament. People, you know, he's really been targeted and he hasn't really been as strong. You know, whether they go 10, 12, it looks like they probably will. And then also Billy Vinopola, like he trained yesterday, but he hasn't played well at this tournament at all. Mako's back. Apparently he plays better when Mako's there. I have massive questions about whether England can get up to the level having kind of floated through this tournament so far whereas Australia have had a tough pool and are battle hardened but there's like, it's really fascinating there's, there's question marks over both of them and I'm not I'm really not sure I have, a I have a feeling that Australia could take them based on the fact that they're more match hardened than they have the athletes to cope with the Vunapolis like your Karabedis your Karevis they've got big men um, but England are probably a better team uh, yeah I'm, <coughs> I'm not convinced about, about Australia I, I totally agree with you about out half you know, Christian Lele Fanu is such a good story and he was doing media yesterday and after all he's been through, it's been great, but I'm not sure he's the man to, to lead you against England in a World Cup quarterfinal. Um, I don't really rate Matt Tamua that much either. Especially I love Matt Tamua, but I'm not sure he's your 10 not, for a World at, Cup. But exactly. He's a lovely 12. And Czech obviously decided to move away from Bernard Foley, but didn't seem like there was much of a kind of set plan in here. And... I don't know, was, was Bernard Foley that bad that he had to move away from him? I was a little bit surprised given that there wasn't a sort of a ready-made option, but mm. I think England, England have while they haven't okay, shot the lights out, they've been really, really clinical and efficient at what they've done, and I think they feel like they're peaking now at just the right time. Billy Vunapola is obviously massive for them. Um, you mentioned that Saracens, the, the Wolf Pack, you know, that mentality, I think that that's going to be... You don't like that? Oh, yeah. God. I don't like it either, but I was doing the bunny ears, fingers. <laughs> um, if it works, it works, you know. It doesn't uh, work a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sorry, yeah. But hang on now, because Leinster used this brothers thing, which makes me sick I don't as like well. that either. I, I mean, all that stuff. Yeah. Um, it'd be quite funny if England got knocked out, though, wouldn't it? Yeah. After all, the Eddie Jones bluster, it'd be, it'd be, if Czech especially, because he's lost six, I think they've lost six in a row to England, to England since they beat um, beat them in the World Cup in 2015 which was one of the greatest games that I've ever been at that, that uh, Australia performance um, I like Czech I, you know, I, I love his mm. uh, meltdowns um, uh, the fact that you know, there's, a, there's a connection there from his time in Ireland as well and Eddie Jones rose people up the wrong way and also if Ireland do pull something off on Saturday I think they'd much rather play Australia in a semi-final than, than England. Czech has got great taste in music as well. When he was he was over in Dublin a few months ago for an interview, and we interviewed him in um, 
the Olympia Theatre because he was doing a gig that night there and um, he told us he was looking around the Olympia anyone Anyone who surely most people have been there in Dublin said that geez, the last time I was in here was to see Faithless. Nice. That's kind of like, yeah, that's my kind of that's my kind of guy right there. So yeah, I'm all in on Jacob this weekend because he likes Faithless. And he started it off well with his uh, I know Gareth Southgate, but I'm not going to bring him in to the oh, camp yeah. quip, which was uh, fantastic. Obviously. Looking forward to hearing Eddie tomorrow now. Like he'll, he'll stir things up even more because he's he's had Jack on the run. Like his that that three test series in 20. Uh, was it 16 or 17? 16. 16 was was an epic. The time Haskell was just unbelievable, and they beat them three 0 That was that was quality. Like that's like this is a massive match. It kind of it's weird. Like we're just so focused on the Tokyo games here because we're here and because Ireland New Zealand is its own thing, and you're kind of very hard sometimes to raise your head from the parapet. But that game's on before hours, isn't it? I mean yep. that's that's going to be worth getting to the press box early and seeing because that's it's just going to be such a good game and it's such a big rivalry. Yeah, and obviously as you say with the Irish interest of uh, the potential potential semi-final opponents but the fourth quarter-final as it were then France against Wales I think Wales have probably put in one of the more impressive performances of this tournament with uh, that win over Australia you were there what did you make of them that day? I saw I was at the first two games I was there the night to beat Georgia and that was just on the back of the Rob Howley affair and there was kind of question marks about how that would affect them you know they were really clinical that night they were really impressive they were very good against uh, against Australia, and the, the way they they played cup rugby that night, they were taking their drop goals, they were basically building a score, very different approach to what to teams in, in other pools. You know, it was a, it was um, it was really really good. I mean, it was a it was a progression from their Six Nations when they you know they won the Grand Slam, so they come here on the back of a really good year. Whereas Ireland, you know, built on 2018, Wales have you know done it all this year and built into this tournament. But it does seem like they've gone astray a little bit since. I mean, they were very unimpressive against Uruguay. They you know, Fiji gave them a proper scare. So I wonder, did they put too much into those first two games and really, you know, beating Australia? Or did they just taper down and then they're building back up to this game against France? Um, they, I mean, they're, they're the European champions. They deserve to be considered real contenders for this tournament. Whether they're good enough to win it overall, I'm not sure. And that's Rod's phone ringing during how unprofessional. <laughs> um, I think Gatland deserves a lot of credit for how he sort of rallied his troops, and he's a master at doing it. Like you, you think about the Rob Howley thing, that is that seems like it was at the last World Cup. You know, it, it seems so long ago, but it's how they've reacted to it. Stephen Jones has come in, and it's looked it's looked seamless from the outside looking in. Anyway, like they, it doesn't seem to have affected them much at all. And I think the big thing, another big thing, was you know they lost Gareth Anscombe, who was obviously their out half in the Grand Slam, and Bigger has come in and been really, really good and. Again, they haven't missed a beat, and Anscombe is a big loss, but I think Bigger has done really well since coming in, and I think a lot of that is down to the mentality that Gatland instills in his players, you know, us against them. And the Fiji game, yeah, they got a scare, but like that Fiji team were, were good. I mean, that, that's a good Fiji team. They're just not able to kind of put it together for 80 minutes. They're just one of these big disappointments. You see how good they are, but... I guess there's circumstances around that that make it more difficult. But the Uruguay game was basically like Wales' second team apart from one or two guys. So I wouldn't really put too much stock in that either. You're going to have all the big guns back um, this week. And, you know, from a French point of view, they've got injury doubts over a couple of couple of their key players, like including Damien Peno, who's just been a sensation at this World Cup. So it seems like that Wales are the ones, I would imagine, who are arriving at this stage in much better shape. But you know France could could easily turn it on I think for me it would certainly be probably the biggest shock if France were to win because I just they haven't looked capable of putting it together for 80 minutes even when they looked at their very best at this tournament when they started so well against Argentina in a game that 
I think we all got the sense that that was their pool stage right first up, whatever it was, third day of the tournament. Since then, you know, we've had the we've had the talk of revolution in the camp that seems to rear its head every every four years. Huge problems between the management and their captain and GM Garado. And I just think, you know, they've really struggled against tier two nations since that um, since that opening game, and they're one team that I think really could have done with a game just to sort of flush that from the system in the same way that Ireland did against uh, did against Samoa but for me just even even if you look back to the Six Nations when they had that great start against Wales they're not able to maintain it anymore it's not that we're getting oh we don't know which France is going to turn up week to week anymore you don't know which France is going to turn up half to half well anymore. the Argentina game was, was, was another follow on to that I mean they were so good in that first half and then they collapsed in the second half and then showed a bit of character to finish it off and, and get the drop goal to win it. Um, and that basically qualified them for the quarterfinal. I mean, they never had to play England and they kind of struggled through the other games. Like, it's so hard not to, it's so hard to avoid cliche when you're talking about France. It's uh, like, genuinely, they are, I, like, they've become less unpredictable because they've just been brutal for basically the entire World Cup cycle. They were Six Nations record. I don't think they finished in the top half. Mm -hmm. But there is a sense that when they get them together in a camp for a long time and you get, you mean, they don't have to play t top 14 for ages. They kind of, they can manage their workload a bit. That they could pull something off, that they could pull something together. I don't think Wales are the team they would have wanted to face. Um, the talk was they were going to sack off England because they didn't really think it was a, a, any difference between Wales and Australia. And that's probably, you know, it's not bad theorising, but I think Australia play a bit more fast and loose, whereas Wales' defensive system will cause them problems. But they've got unbelievable talent. They've got more talent in their team than Wales do. Like Wales have a lot of players that you wouldn't really, you know, cast a second look at if they weren't wearing a red jersey. I mean, there's loads of players that we see in Pro 14 that are, you know, that have never done that in Europe. But they, you know, Gatlin just gets it out of them. Whereas the French players are like they've got some superstars in there, but they just we haven't seen it. So you can't really you're going on, you know, hope rather than expectation with France more than any of the other teams. But when they pull it together, those team, those players are all really good. Dupont is, you know, world class, and and they have really like. Rack has been fun to watch. Yeah, like they mm. like they have much more X factor. They have much more ability to get break a game wide open. But Wales have this unbelievable defensive system, and an ability to pick off points. They'll just go three six nine. Put France under pressure. France start chasing it. They start throwing offloads. Wales will clean up. Bigger's you know, Gareth an Davies, ideal. I guarantee you, Gareth Davies will, will, will get an intercept. Bigger is an ideal man for for that kind of game, then, isn't he? Because he's such a reliable goal kicker. Yeah, like he, he'll just chip away at the, the score. I think, and like I said, I think him coming in has actually worked really well for them. It's a great point because Gareth Anscombe and Dan Bigger play two completely different styles, mm. and if they were going to go like for like, you would have brought Jared Evans into the team to replicate, not to the same degree of success, obviously, but to replicate the way that Anscombe plays, but. He obviously didn't go well in the warm-ups at all. We've seen Bigger come in, and yeah, as you say, I think he's done really, really well. Pacho's been good as well when yeah. he's been in, so yeah. it's worked out well. I think for, for, for France, Anton Dupont is the, the sort of the key man. I think he he just is he does everything. He probably does too much actually at times as a scrum half. He Conor Murray used to be the same when he was a bit younger. You know, he's finding himself in himself in rocks and stuff, but. Yeah, I really like Dupont, and I think he's the guy who sets the tone. And he's so young. Like, what is he? Twenty-two, maybe twenty-three. Um, I think a lot rests on him, and you know, him guiding that pack around because they're going to have to front up against Wales. Because, like I said, Wales would be happy enough just to chip away at the scoreboard and you know not do anything flash. Whereas France do have the X factor I mentioned. Raka, you know, is capable of producing something out of nothing. So it's just whether or not they can they can sort of get those players in space, but. 
we've seen Sean Edwards' defensive system so often, you know, just shutting down teams, smothering them, not allowing them any time in the ball. And I think that's what they're going to do to the France again. And it's very early days, but we're going to be very Ireland-focused the next couple of days. So this is our quarterfinal preview. Predictions, guys. Who's going to be the semifinals? Do we think there's going to be one shock, first of all? I think there'll be more. I think this is being... Yeah, I, I have a growing sense. I don't think I'll fully commit to it, but I think we could see an Ireland-Australia semifinal. Oh, what a shout. Uh, and Wales, South Africa. I can't see the other side. I think Ireland New Zealand is, is like probably 60-40 in New Zealand's favour, but I'm... I'm as the week goes on, I'm becoming more and more convinced that Ireland could pull something off. It's I don't know, maybe it's emotional. I'm not sure. But no, Keith Earls uh, has me convinced that like the stories that'll be appearing in tomorrow's newspapers, just the way that he was talking, I think he he has me convinced that there's Ireland an unbelievable win belief about Ireland yeah. and New Zealand haven't played in so long. Um, we'll obviously get to this tomorrow when we have the teams and we have a bit more information. Ireland are naming at eight a.m. Irish time, I think, unless that changes. So um, we should probably hold off. But I, I think I think. Uh, I think I have a feeling that the, four, the three teams who missed last weekend's games, that will cost them. Um, I don't think, I think for all the talk of freshness, they, you need to be battle-hardened at a World Cup. You need to be in form. You need to be confident in your body when you're going into these games. And that, you get that from playing, like especially the European teams who haven't, who were basically coming off pre-season, whatever, the Rugby Championship lads who've had a tournament before they came in here, they just don't know where they are physically. And, and that France-England game was going to be the marker that they could kick on from. So um, I think Ireland are much better from having Samoa in their belt. I think Australia have had four really, you know, the, the teams who've almost struggled through are in a better condition for it. I don't know, maybe maybe one of those two is, is, is the shock. France could do anything. I just can't see Japan beating South Africa. I really admire optimism. I really do. Um, I think Ireland have a chance, and while we will get into it on tomorrow's podcast or even Fridays in more in deeper deeper analysis I suppose I I just can't see it like you know I just can't see it I've always um, had a sense that Ireland could win a quarter final and lose a semi-final I've, 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 as long as I've, I've like this quarter final hoodoo is there mm. they're going to break it one day and a bit like Cardiff four years ago they're going to break it they're going to think this is the greatest thing in the world and then they're going to wake up the next day and realise they have a semi-final play and it's like they're just not going to get up for it. And I've had a fear that it'd be like, you know, they like beat New Zealand and lose to England or beat be, be South Africa and lose to Wales. It's always been my sense of this. Obviously, the All Blacks are, are deserved favourites and probably will win when you're being completely rational about it. But I think maybe it's rubbing off and it's been around the camp this week. Yeah, I, I'm going to go the All Blacks. I think England will beat Australia and I think Wales will beat France and. You know, so, like something keeps telling me that Japan, like I keep, I keep thinking that they've they're finished now, and then they pull something out of the bag. But yeah, I probably just go the box. But I think that that's the game that probably has the biggest potential to for a shock for Japan to beat South Africa. Okay, I think I'm gonna go so as as we say early days with none of the teams yet. But I'm gonna go Ireland, England, South Africa, and Wales. Two Shows. Irish wins, lads. I'm not committing to that yet. I haven't. I, 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 it's, it's on, Saturday's it's paper will be in podcast. I, I, I have a feeling. I'm not sure if I'm going to commit to it. But like it I think. What do you have? You can't go at back. The end of, at the end of 2018, it wouldn't have been a shock to say Ireland were going to beat New Zealand in a quarter in a World Cup quarter final. They've gone back quite a lot, haven't they? Like, it's, yeah, I'm veering. I'm probably like a lot of people. I, I give them a chance. I give them a real chance. But I think I, I'd say I got New Zealand, Australia, South Africa. And France. No, you're not he said Ireland. I think he yeah. said everybody yeah. at this yeah, stage exactly. at one point. You're some man for the flip-flop, Rod. Well, we'll see the teams. Yeah, well, we'll have those teams tomorrow. Um, obviously, we'll be digging deeper into the Ireland team and looking around the rest of the camps as well. So we shall see you tomorrow. Cheers. Cheers. 
the Left Wing Podcast in association with Aldi. Spend €30 euro in store for a chance to win €50,000 for your primary school.